Hello. Hello. Hello to all of you. Welcome to another episode of the BPB podcast. We're happy you guys were here with us. Today, this is a topic that I brought up because I feel like I feel like it's important to just out myself. <laughs> because, truly, because I, I know that I talk a lot about learning from your mistakes, and it's really important to just learn from your mistakes. You cannot fail if you're continuing to learn. On today's episode, we're going to talk all about what to do when it's all your fault. <laughs> because I have been in many positions in my business and building my business, and even sometimes it still happens to this day where mistakes are made, epic mistakes get made. And it's not always about the mistake itself, but how we can handle the situation. Rory, any thoughts before we kick this off? What you were saying is that one of the, the most important things to think about is that there are going to be mistakes in business. Mm-hmm. It's just part of it. But how you handle that mistake is what determines if you are going to continue to have clients come to you to continue to work with you how if they're going to continue to refer people to you Mm -hmm. and uh, and so what we want to do in this episode is just share some of the the nitty-gritty of things that we've been through some examples of situations where we've had to deal with it and and give you some tools to help you if you're put in a situation like that how to deal with it because um it's just inevitable that it's going to happen if it hasn't happened to you already at Mm -hmm. some point it will and if it has happened, it will probably happen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the, so. It's the nature of life and doing business is that things don't always go exactly according to plan, but we have options when we are <laughs> put in these situations and we can play the blame game and we can deny that it ever happened, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or we can say, look, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm going to make it right. Yeah. Both Rory and I are always about transparency is, you know, key and just being really straightforward about everything before it just explodes into something else. I'm of the opinion that the customer is not always right, but in some cases, well, they are, right? (laughs) In some cases (laughs) they are. And as a business owner, I feel like oftentimes I have to step up and an apology if something goes really wrong isn't enough anymore. Like just saying sorry just isn't enough. It is for my two-year-old because it's cute. And she says, Sazwi, mama. <laughs> okay, that's cute. But in this case, just saying sorry is just not enough, especially when it comes down to your reputation that's on the line. And I really, I strongly feel that there is a true art to the apology. And it comes from, or it needs to come from a place of empathy. It's not just, I'm sorry, this sucks and let's walk away. It's no, like Rory said, you always have a choice in how to handle certain situations. One of my mentors uh, told me that if you make one customer happy, they might tell five people, they might, and they'll share their experience and they'll say, yeah, this was great. I recommend it. So that's five people maybe. But if you upset a customer, then they're going to go out and they're going to tell 10 of their friends. They're going to take to Yelp. They're going to take to Google and they're just going to review your business and put it on blast. And it's not going to be great. I feel like mistakes can happen in business in a variety of ways. It can be product failure, poor customer service, Maybe it's a late delivery, whatever it might be, missed deadlines. It's important to get ahead of these things. So for yourself, if you foresee, hey, something somewhere down the line, this could be a potential where you may have to apologize for something. Make sure that you're thinking about these things ahead of time so that you know how to handle the situation before it gets totally out of control. When I first got into doing marketing, I 
was so just 100% hands-on at a really challenging time hiring other people, hiring contractors, hiring employees, because I, it was like my baby. Like I'm, I can do it all. I can do everything. And it just wasn't sustainable. And so I learned, okay, I need to let go of the reins a little bit and allow for growth to happen, not just for my business, but for other people too. Like people are people, they need to grow and learn. And I had that opportunity to let someone handle an AdWords for, at the time, my biggest client. Okay, mistake number one, probably shouldn't put (laughs) my biggest client into the hands of someone that I had just hired. And so what happened was I had hired this guy to take over a Google Ad, AdWords account that is used, they're used to spending millions of dollars a year. Like it's not rare for this particular company that I was managing for to spend two or $3 million in a quarter. So I explained to the Google AdWords guy that I hired who claimed that he had done Google AdWords before. Red flag number two, I should have fact checked all of that. And I just took it on face value and said, yeah, this looks great. He had a nice website. He presented himself. I thought, yeah, he'll be great but I didn't check into his references. Make sure you do that. So anyways, we got into 30 days of ads with this new guy. And I got a call from my client that said, hey, we haven't been getting our regular leads. Can you look into this for me? So I called my employee and I said, hey, just wondering if I can get a quick report. Let me know what's going on. And come to find out he had been funneling traffic to a dead link. So for 30 days, $30,000 later, yeah, I was responsible for $30,000 of ad spend that went to nowhere. It went to a dead page. And so I was faced with this situation where I knew just for my own conscience, like for me, I get really bad headaches if I'm found in a situation that doesn't feel good. Or even if it's like a white lie, like I have a hard time like lying to my daughter. No, you can't have a popsicle because we don't have any. Yes, we do. And I feel bad about that. Like it's just lying and I don't mix. And so I knew right off the bat, I had to come forward and be very honest with the company. And I called them right away. I didn't let it fester. I knew if I let it fester and I had to marinate on the fact that I royally messed up, it was just going to be worse. So I ripped the bandaid off and I called up the, the CEO of the company and I let them know, you know what? I hired this person. I didn't do my due diligence. I'm so sorry. $30,000 of ad spends is my responsibility. And the owner, the CEO was really gracious. And he just said, the fact that you came to me and told me what happens says a lot to your character. And let's just keep doing good business together. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, but I'm still going to have to pay him back, obviously, or give him months of my work for free. And he said, no, let's just keep going. Let's just keep moving. And six years later, they're still my client. So there's so many different ways that could have been handled. I could have blamed the employee. I could have lied or not have said anything or whatever it was. But I knew for myself, I had to come forward and, and say what happened. And And just luckily, I was with this company that was very gracious. Now I did let go of the employee because he lied to me about a a series of other things. So it's also very important that if you're able to identify a few different things that something doesn't add up about somebody, it's never about who you hire. It always comes down to how long you take to fire them if you need to. And I hate to do that, but I've been in that position quite a few times where I just knew it's not a good match time for someone else to move on. But it was a really good lesson for me where 
I do so much due diligence now. And I'm still like really, I'm really involved in every aspect of my business because of this thing happening. So good lessons all the way around. And I just got really lucky. So yeah, my my number one (laughs) rule of, of business interaction with clients is do not lie Mm -hmm. because it can very easily backfire. Even with my kids, like you're saying, like saying, oh, there's not a popsicle. No, I, I like, I won't even say that to them. Even if it makes it more difficult, I'll say, yeah, there's popsicles, but you can't have one. Hmm. But here's why you can't have one. Okay. So you're offering the reason. It's not just no, and that's the end of it. Okay. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll say things like, okay, it's too close to dinner time. It's too late in the day. Hmm. It, you won't be able to sleep. I just go through lists of things until they usually give up. Oh, I guess uh, I just have to take a chapter out of your parenting book there. I'll try that <laughs> with Emma. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I made that decision before I even had kids. I was just like, One of the things that bugged me the most was how adults would lie to me as a kid. And I like, especially because I went to a Catholic private school, I just thought I was like walking around the school and all these people who are like preaching religious stuff. And then they're just the biggest bunch of hypocrites Hmm. and I couldn't stand it. And, and so I was like, I'm not going to taint the relationship with my kids by saying things, even though it makes situations more difficult sometimes. Hmm. But over longer term, when I actually say, when I say, oh, you can't have this, a lot of the times, it's like, okay. So they like Get used to it. start getting conditioned to it to actually listen. And the same applies to clients. <laughs> Condition <True>. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the truth thing is big and it's... I don't well, know. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example and why I had to fire someone recently. In, in our book business, one of the, the things that we would outsource pretty much since day one is I've been formatting the book. And we didn't have someone in-house to do it. We always send it to companies that specialized in it. Mm-hmm. I worked with one company before and it's time to make a, diff, uh, a change. I found out about this guy who was doing all the top author's books and and his company. And I reached out to him and we started working together. And we worked together for about two or three years. But in the last year, we started having weird random issues. I'd send emails and he'd be like, I'm not getting your emails. Hmm. And I could never prove anything as to like why he wasn't getting the emails. It would just be kind of like a month later. Oh, hey, like I've sent all these emails like... My client is like desperately needing this, this book done and I'm not hearing anything from you. Is, are you working on it? Or is it going to be done on time? Things like that. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is it just got, it got so bad. I was like, I've got to find other solutions. So I was doing some research, but on the last thing where it fizzled out, made, yeah, where it made it where I was like, I'm done is I caught him in a lie. What do you and do? I have email tracking software. So I had sent him an email and, and basically what it came down to was this. He said he had sent me the document, but he hadn't because there's ways to check these things. And I figured some of this stuff out afterward mm-hmm. was after dealing with this for quite a while is that he, he sent an email, said, I sent it to you. I'm going to send it to you again. 
there was like a, hmm. it was just an update on a book. So okay. it was like a five minute fix. But then he sent it about 20 minutes later. And when I opened the documents and actually looked at when the document was created, it was only created within that 20 minute period. So I was looking at the metadata code of the document. And so he never sent it. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth because I've been waiting for this for weeks. Hmm. You know? And you just chose not to do it and then lie about not doing it. Okay. So it was just bold-faced lie. You don't think like the document had to get recreated or something? No benefit of the doubt. The guy was just not in it. No, because it wasn't the first time. Uh, if it had been like one or two times, but we're talking like a year's worth of dealing with yeah. this. I gotcha. Oh, man. So unfortunately, as a business owner, you're going to have situations like that where people are lying to you. Yeah. And like you were saying, and you're going to get stuck in these situations where it's even if this person is great at what they do, you have it's a personal decision. Do you want someone who is going to lie to you as part of your business if it's affecting schedules? So if it didn't affect a timeline, that's one thing. But every single time I had to go back to a client, be like, mm. I'm and sorry, it's a bad reflection like, I'll on make you. this up to you, but I don't have the document in hand. Yeah. So that makes running a business very difficult. Yeah. So you have to have the right people on your team. But then again, let me ask you this. So when that happened with the guy, then doesn't it make it almost easier for you to be like, later, we're not working together. Like he, well, he did it to himself. Like you oh, gave yeah. Him and he wanted to stick to st sending stuff by email. I asked him a dozen times to give me other con ways to contact him mm -hmm. and he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And we had a great working relationship for a couple of years and he provided and fulfilled and did, it was great. And he was really good at it. And he like did all the things that we wanted, hmm. but something happened and something shifted either in him or his business, or he was taking on too much work and couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. And then did not communicate it efficiently or properly about whatever situation was going on. I wonder what, how that would have panned out differently if he just was honest about his actual situation. It, maybe he had some personal things going on that weren't working or he was too inundated with work. Like it's amazing what you can shift with just a very simple conversation rather than just no. like this build upon disgusting feeling. And then every time you talk to that person, it just doesn't feel good. And that's not right. For me, it's sad to watch people squirm. Like, like I said, I've, I've unfortunately have been in the position where I've had to let a few people go. And it's so uncomfortable to watch them be uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. It's so anyway, so yeah, transparency and honesty always it's always the best policy. But also preparing yourself mentally to make things right. So we were just talking about how what that feels like and what that looks like when you're working within your business. But if something has come up with you as the business owner and you're talking with a customer there's a whole different way to go about doing things. And I think the number one, so this is so important that if someone is just so upset about a situation or whatever has happened, the best thing you can do, number one thing is just listen. Don't be on the defense right away. Just fully listen to what they are saying. And body language is a big one. I know I bring him up a lot, but he was just a great example. Matt from AJ Auto Detailing in downtown San Jose in California. This guy is like the master of just listening, fully listening, and then offering a really good solution. 
But Matt is a very, he's a, he's a big guy. Like he's six, I think he's six, five. He's really tall. And to many, he can come off as he's intimidating, but he has this brilliant way with his body language where he would just stand, not with his hands on his hips or anything. He would stand with his hands like closed, but very like in a very non-threatening way. And he just had this ability to like really listen. And when he was so, and I would watch this like every day on the lot, when he would really listen to somebody and they, people would be like firing at him, like saying really crazy things at him. He would just go, wow, I'm, I'm so sorry. That has been your experience. Let's figure out a solution. And he genuinely meant it. And so I, I learned a lot from him and how to like, okay, body language is huge. Eye contact is huge. But right now with all of us being online, one of the best ways to mitigate a problem from getting completely out of hand is making sure you're responding to reviews. So you'll find out if someone's upset about something because won't well, they'll take to reviews. So it's important to come from a place of empathy. And I believe that empathy is a force that can drive businesses and relationships within the business forward. Like truly, if you're able to come from an empathetic point of view, it will, it will shift the mindset of everyone involved with the issue. And you have to be genuine about it too. But yeah, so being defensive will only prolong the issue and, and making sure that w- when you are apologizing, that it is public. It's one thing to send an email to somebody. Sorry, this is your experience. Let's figure out the solution. But when you have an opportunity to write a review back about the experience, people more often than not, I know for myself, if I'm interested in a service or a restaurant, let's say, I'll go to Yelp and I go to the one-star reviews right away. I don't need to know about everyone's great review. I want to go to the one-star. And What was the issue? And did the business owner have the wherewithal to respond to those reviews in a time-effective way that wasn't defensive? And was there a solution? Those are the things I'm looking for as a customer. So it's important to keep those things in mind that we're not, as customers, as business owners, we're not just looking for what's the best out there. We're going to go digging around to see what people's true experiences were if they were, in fact, negative. Do you do that, Rory? Do you look at people's negative reviews more so than the positive? I look at both, and it depends on the situation and what I'm looking at. So in a mm-hmm. restaurant case, I look. At, I first start with the positive because I want to see if the thing that I'm wanting to eat, if there's some good reviews about it. Mm-hmm. If it's been mentioned, we'll just, we'll talk about Chinese food. Let's say I, I wanted some orange chicken. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> sounds so good. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, so reviews about orange chicken. Oh, loved it. Mm-hmm. Best orange chicken ever, whatever. And I'll go, okay, good. Now let's look at the other reviews mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's no point in looking at the negative reviews. If the thing that I want isn't even that's viable. True. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that's then I'm not even going to consider the place in the first place. But yeah, but then you have to look at the negative. And the difficult thing about online is that you have to be able to discern between what is a real legitimate negative mm-hmm. review. Mm-hmm. You can't just look and go, oh, this place got some negative reviews. Okay. Mm-hmm. First off, I found that probably one in every 50 reviews, someone accidentally puts a five-star review as a one-star. Mm. and they don't mean to it's just they don't understand (laughs) and but you read the review and you're like that was a glowing review but it says one star (laughs) you have to take that into consideration but you have to take into consideration was it a an issue that was something from a long time ago that's maybe been resolved and you look at other reviews to see what people say sometimes they'll be like yeah five years ago this restaurant wasn't very good Mm -hmm. but now they fixed those problems 
you have to take that into consideration. Length of um, when that review was. Mm -hmm. Then the other side of it is on the negative uh, reviews is, are these actually real reviews? That's the thing. And sometimes it's really hard to tell. Sometimes competitors will hire businesses to actually go out and just slam other companies so that they have a lower star rating than them. It's like extortion. It's horrible. So yes, you have to actually be able to differentiate between what's real and what's not. And it can be really challenging sometimes. But that's why as a business owner, it's so important to respond directly to every single one of the reviews, including the positive ones. Thank people. If someone gives you a glowing review, here's a 10% off coupon. We'll see it next time. Do something where you're rewarding those people who actually took their precious time to help your business in the long run. Like having that reward system is huge. People will tell other people about that. It's, mm-hmm. it, tur- it turns into a really good, to feel good cycle. Yeah. So something else that I want to bring up is if something goes terribly wrong, I know one of the very first instincts that a lot of my clients will have is they'll say, oh, let's just give them a refund. I don't want to deal with it. Just give them a refund. If someone's already given you money, do everything you can to keep the money. Offer incentives, offer them a coupon, a discount, a free product, keep the customer happy, but give them a reason to come back. If you don't give them a refund, but you make the the situation right, you make everything correct, now they're happy, give them a coupon or like 50% off for the next time or whatever it looks like. Do everything you can to keep the money. Because if you're just giving a refund and saying, bye, you've lost the customer now, there's no incentive to come back. So you have to be thinking again, ahead of time, like what's going to happen if this goes wrong? What's going to happen if that goes wrong? And how can we figure out ways to mitigate before it gets completely blown out of proportion? Yeah. And then the other side um, that I want to bring up is what do you do when you, there's something that just didn't work out, a, a situation or something went wrong, a mistake, but then the client is trying to steamroll and pressure you into ridiculous ways of making up for it. Mm. So for example, Mm. say an ad went wrong and you lost a thousand dollars and they're like, I want $10,000 worth of your time to make up for this. I've had weird situations, not that specifically, but just where invested a lot of time consulting where someone decided that they didn't want to continue getting consultation and didn't want to actually do and implement any of the things that were recommended, but then decided to charge back their credit card. Oh, yeah. That's right. You told me about this. The audacity. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You know, yeah. when, when you've been invested dozens of hours at your yeah. consulting rate just to oh. get situations like that, that's an unreasonable situation where they at least should have paid for part of the consulting because ultimately it was their decision not to continue. continue to take action. Yeah. And yeah, you can get into legalities and take them to court and all of these things over contracts and, and all mm-hmm. that. But a lot of times it's not always worth it. You just have to weigh whether it's worth it in your business or not to do yeah. something like that. And, but you're going to run into situations like that and you have to plan for it in business. I hadn't planned for something like that. I'd never experienced something like that. Because my, I just don't naturally think like that. I would never do that to someone. Mm-hmm. So why would someone do that to me? But it does happen. Yeah, it so does. So then you have, to, you have to plan. So let me ask you, if that happened to you, how would you handle it? If the charge credit back, the credit card situation happened? Yeah. 
first I would request to speak with that person. I'd say, hey, let's just jump on a call. Can you tell me what happened? Let's talk through why you felt the need to do that. And did you not feel that what I was providing you, was it not valuable enough? Let's get to the heart of it and see if that opportunity is there. Because more often than not, for me anyway, the way that I like to handle my sessions is really, we're both people here. We can work this out. Like what happened? What's the story? And then if something really like was just so missed on my end, I've never really given refunds back, but I've worked out some other things where it's, you know what, since you've invested this, in fact, I'm in this position right now. In fact, I was just telling Rory this earlier today. I'm working with with a client who it's just, it's such a small niche market. And I now am too close to the client because I really like this client and I'm able to identify when I know I'm too close to a situation, we need to find someone else that can come in and help revamp some things. And so I know that I need to allow for the space for someone new to come in. And with this particular client, they have invested quite a bit of money in working with me and on coaching and other various marketing things that we've done together. And I provided X amount of hours in coaching, knowing that's going to help move this person forward, but there's a date on it. So to answer your question, like what would I do in that situation? It, it totally depends on the type of person that is. Did I build a relationship with them that I feel like I need to end on really positive terms for potential opportunity in the future? Or is this person just not understanding? And if they're not understanding, then you just go, there's nothing I can do here. I'm sorry, this was the scenario. There's nothing I could do. But what, what if they won't reach out to you? Okay. Mm, okay. After you're reaching out to try and make that contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels, let's say they're trying to scam you. What would oh. you do? Did the bank call you when all this happened? Uh, the bank contacted, yeah. So I, I would tell the bank that there's a contract signed, this person agreed, and that's that. And I would not give them a refund. No way. Because if they're not willing to even have a conversation, and if I've already invested so much time, no way. And if they need to, if the, the client needs to have a conversation about it, then at that point, they can call me and we'll figure it out. And maybe I'll take the call, maybe I won't. Because that's just, that's, that's so gross. You, I'm sorry, that's a position that this person put you in. They put you in that position. And I'm, mm. sure, that, I'm sure they feel like you put them in this weird position, but no, you have contracts, I'm sure. You put everything in place. And if there was at any point in time they didn't want to continue coaching months previous, then why didn't they just stop it at that point? So yeah, that's what, that's, this person was 100% scammy. Exactly. And so again, you're going to run into this. Now, there's just warning signs that I didn't pay attention to with that I should have. Mm. But I had a client who, so, so in their book funnel, the person ordered the book and, and, it also, and also ordered the audio book and ordered a workbook or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The, cli- the, the person, the customer then sends an email the next day saying, I, I don't have the book. This is a scam. I want a refund. Mm. And it's first, these are physical books that have to be shipped. Yeah. Oh, and they said, you charge me for a book, right? This is one of the ways you can recognize someone who's like trying to pull one over on you is that they jump to wild claims without just reaching out and having a normal conversation first. So there was no email that said, hey, I thought I was supposed to receive uh, a copy of the book. I haven't received it. Can you let me know where I can get that? Yeah. 
There was nothing like that. It was just, you're a scam. There's all this. And my client's freaking out because they're like, we don't want to be seen as like a scam. And I'm like, no, this, you just got (laughs) to pull back. Hold on. This happens. There's going to be times like this. I've been through this before. And you start to recognize and you go, okay, look, here's the situation. Reply to them. Apologize that there's a situation like this. Explain what they ordered. And, mm-hmm. and if they made a mistake, you're happy to give a, a refund. You can, you know, refund a portion of it. If they don't want the, the book to be shipped to them, then refund all of it. Just come at it from that approach. But don't say that, that you like your book funnel doesn't work because this one person is trying to scam you. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how one or two trolls can really just put a damper on so many things. Yeah, it's every time, every time I come across a troll and and I've been pretty lucky on a personal level, I haven't had too many weirdos, but every time uh, I've got to deal with it for clients, I always just remind my clients, if you have a troll, you're doing something because it like ignited something in somebody where they were like, they felt passionate in a weird way to say something crazy or do something. And it's all about, it's all about how you handle the situation. Just come at it apologetically with empathy, make sure you have an expression of, oh, regret, I'm sorry this was your experience because other people will read those things. But yeah, yeah. It, but in the case of the book funnel not working because one person was a troll, that's, just, that's, <laughs> that's so lame. Oh. Well, yeah, because I, I, you know, I bet they were hoping that the book had already shipped and that they could get a refund and still get the book. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. Yeah, people are scammy. And yeah. it's not just people are scammy. I think people are just we're obviously in very strange times. They want resources, they want tools, but might not have the the money to support what they need right now. So who knows? There's a whole host of things, but... When we know this doesn't just relate to a book or anything like that. People have all these scams on getting stuff from Amazon and mm-hmm. being able to keep the products, but not have to return them. Scams are out there. And it's just, it's it's an unfortunate part of doing business online these days or doing any business in general, that there's mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. some stuff. And that's why you have to really think about your profit margins and factor stuff like that in and say, we're going to end up with refunds. We're going to end up with situations where we get taken advantage of. Maybe we need to factor in an extra 5% to mm-hmm. cover that stuff. Mm-hmm. Part Especially of as you put yourself out there more mm-hmm. and the more you do, the more you're going to see it because I, I see it with, I don't have some huge social media following, but I have clients who have ridiculous social media followings mm-hmm. and yeah, they get, if they read those comments all day long, they'd probably not be living at this point because they're so bad, right? Yeah, you know, sure. it's like you have to take it. It's why a lot of actors and stuff won't read reviews or look themselves up online and things like that because there's always going to be someone who has something negative to say about something. So you could pick like someone like Gandhi, who like a very spiritual person who did a lot of great things. And there's still a ton of people who don't like him and say a bunch of bad things. I know it's, yeah, it's a very unique world we live in. And I think as business owners, we do have to develop a bit of a thick skin for when things like that come up, especially for a lot of us who have built passion businesses. We're, of course, we love what we do or else we wouldn't be doing it. And someone comes along and tries to dump their baggage all over what you've created. You just have to look at it from a perspective of, oh, that person's having a really hard time right now. That's okay. We're just going to move forward. 
oftentimes it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, That's been you, my experience. you can forgive them, but it doesn't mean you have to interact with them. Exactly. Yeah. We really come full circle on this episode. It's all about, <laughs> it's all about forgiveness now. There's been an intense episode. <laughs> it has. <laughs> Basically, if you want to be um, a part of our world, don't lie. That pretty much is sums yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this has been a good one. I'm glad we're, we're talking about this. And for any of you listening right now, if you have been faced with a situation where you're like, uh-oh, I messed up, or you have to be the one that explains what happened because your employee messed up or whatever the situation is, you are not alone. <laughs> you are not alone because we've all been through it. And you can follow these steps for making sure that you're coming from a place that's clear for yourself. So you know that you did everything you could possibly do to make this person happy. So I just want to give a quick rundown on what those steps are. So that the number one is just making sure that you come from a place of empathy, right? Expression of regret. People understand that, yes, you're, I'm so sorry for your experience. Number two, if it's online and you're doing like reviews, give an explanation of what went wrong so that whoever's reading it has an opportunity to see both sides of the story. Number three, acknowledgement of responsibility, meaning you can tell people, you have an option to tell people exactly how you handled the situation. You let people know you offered them a coupon, you, you know, offered them a free service, whatever it is. Let them know how you did your best to make sure that person had a good result in the end. Number four is just making very clear. It's like a declaration of repentance. Like, I understand we messed up. We're moving forward. And then number five, you can let people know exactly what ended up happening. Like the offer, the end result, what ended up happening in the end. And then six, like Rory just said, is important. It's you can request for forgiveness. Like, we're so sorry again. Like we're only human. We can only do so much. And then let's move forward. Hopefully move forward gonna, together. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to add a bonus one. Um, <laughs> and this is a bit out, out of left field, but I had a, a client who, who went through this where someone left a negative review that was not true. Okay. And they were able to actually sue them to remove any type of reviews that they put online. Wow. So if someone is spreading misinformation in reviews that is not true, where it's not like a situation where you made a mistake and they're upset, let's say someone didn't actually eat at your restaurant, mm -hmm. but then left a review saying that they got food poisoning right? and they were never actually there, you can potentially sue them to have that review removed. And because it becomes a defamation. Defamation that, yeah, I was looking yeah. for that word. It's like a defamation of character and brand and business, all that. Yeah. 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 So hopefully so, you guys aren't in that position. We don't. There. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when your business deals with clients that are hundreds of thousands of dollars per client, mm -hmm. these are the things you have to think about or, or millions of dollars per client because that one review that's not true can long-term cause issues. So, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. That's why we're having this entire conversation. If someone leaves a negative review of your book, don't be upset. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I tell clients, expect one in 10 reviews to not be that great because someone's just going to not vibe with what you're saying. And that's fine. But if you want to, you can respond to them and you can even offer them a refund. Mm -hmm. Even if they buy your book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever, just reach out to them. Say, it just wasn't for you. I'd love to give you a refund. Yeah. 
And then like, that leaves a good taste in their mouth. And then if you yeah. for a, a, a next book or product, they'll see that and say, well, let me just give it another try. Yeah. You can also, another thing is if you get a bunch of people reaching out, buying stuff and refunding, buying stuff and refunding, you can blacklist them with your shopping cart so that they yes. can't purchase from you again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happens I, a lot in the course world. Let's say the course yeah. is like nine ninety seven, and then all of a sudden someone takes the whole course and is like, refund, please. You're like, what? <laughs> okay, that's our policy, 30 days, but okay. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's a thing because that, that can get sneaky. Yeah, so it's just some tips to help you as you're growing your business, things you might come across, and hopefully you don't. But yeah, hopefully everything we've shared is helpful for you. This has been, like I said, a really intense episode of <laughs> digging into uh, a different side of business that not that doesn't get talked about that much. Yeah, just the raw honesty of, hey, sometimes we mess up. And boy, do I have even more stories than that. But that one was pretty <laughs> epic and I got really lucky. <laughs> so anyways, guys, thanks so much for spending time with us each week. We, yeah, I'm just really happy we're doing this. That's all for now. <laughs> all right. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Big Picture Business Podcast this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at bpbpodcast.com, and you can email us at hello at bpbpodcast.com. On the next episode of the Big Picture Business Podcast, we get hardcore about scams. We look at how to identify scams, the most successful scams out there, the ones that affect your business, online and offline scams, and we give you strategies for how to protect yourself from these scammers so that you don't get taken for a ride. New episodes are released every Tuesday, so check it out then.